Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only a brand new episode of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. Welcome back. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a tractor, and I love film. As Paolo Coelho once said, the simple things are also the most extraordinary things, and only the wise can see them. Locke, for example, is set in a car, and it's just a bloke on a phone, and it's really, really good. That's true, it is actually, yeah. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone, and even Cred Blambles, but this week it is the excellent, brilliant comedian Anya Magliano. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get an extra 15 to 20 minutes with Anya. We laugh a lot. We talk about secrets, beginnings, all sorts. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein along with all the other episodes. So, Anya Magliano is a brilliant stand-up who recently tore up the Edinburgh Festival. She'll be bringing her debut hour, Absolutely No Worries If Not, to Leicester Square on Friday the 11th of November, as well as Salford, Bristol, Brighton and Cambridge in 2023. Tickets and more info are available on her social media at Anya Magliano. She's brilliant. We recorded this on Zoom. She's so funny. I really love this one and I think you will too. So, welcome back. But that's it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 221 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a TikToker, a stand-up sketch showier, a chicken shop data, a Twitterer, a legend, a writer on many things that you like but didn't realise she wrote them, and a legendary stand-up who has just absolutely kicked the dick out of the Edinburgh Festival with incredible reviews across the board. Please welcome to the show. It's the brilliant, it's the one and only, here she is, it's Anya Magliano. Hello. God, I've just clapped myself, but kind of hard not to when you give me an intro that bold. You should do. You absolutely should. And I was like, I don't even remember doing half of these things. (laughs) You've done a lot of things that you've forgotten and we wiped your brain after you did them, but you've written on a lot of big shows that no one knows you did. 
Yeah, I'm under the, under the radar. I'm always on a Google Doc typing away. That's where you'll find me. Tell me, Anya, we did a gig. Mm. You were very funny and very good, but you were also about to go to Edinburgh, which Thank is I'm now you. back from. I had a little Google. I don't know if you look at these things, not that they're important, but you did very well. Critically, you did very well. How was it? Yeah, I think it's easier to like retrospectively now be like, oh, I am happy with that result in the sense that like, I, do you know what? Like, I obviously did care about reviews and stuff, but the main thing that mm. I've realised after Edinburgh is that I'm like, oh, I think I do stand by that show. Oh, great. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, I think at the end of the month, you kind of lose faith in everything you've ever said, done or will do or have ever thought. And I was like, I've lost my sense of self. Like four days after the fringe, I was like, I'm applying to be a teaching assistant, never done any training, but that's, <laughs> that's like the headspace I was in. Yeah. I hate children. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what was and going I'm thick. on. I'm really thick. This is, this is but now I did it. I did it again at Soho theatre and having a bit of space. I was like, oh, I do like this show. I did have a nice time in Edinburgh. I just got a bit sad at the end because I was tired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I, every time I've done Edinburgh, I go completely mad. Doesn't matter how. As, but as it, it gets a bit later, the more I've done it. Mm. But how late were you into it before you lost your marbles? Last week. I got, I got to the last week. That's impressive. Yeah, That's I was impressive. I was being like super, like it was like the most regimented I'd ever been in my life. Like right. I wasn't drinking. I, I wasn't drinking for most of the month. And then I had like half a beer halfway through and had to instantly have a nap because it knocked me out. <laughs> what time was your show? My show was at 430 435 yeah kind of ideal actually because it didn't mess with my eating schedule like (laughs) I was like I can still have lunch I can still have dinner Mm. and then I guess the show is secondary to that yeah you've got to have priorities of the how many shows did you do 26 I did however many is like every day because like well I did I had a day off but I did an extra show on one day so it it was a lot of shows but that whole month I think I did like 31 because I was doing spots and stuff which is so I shouldn't speak for that long like no one needs to hear me that much (laughs) (laughs) Uh, of the 31 performances you did how many of them would you go that was a fucking smasher how many of them would you go that was fine. That was good. And how many did you go? That was horrendous. I should leave. I think I definitely like have an instinct of thinking it's good. But then as soon as I get out of the room, I'm like, I start to second guess it. And I'm like, I I, I do this thing, which I think is quite, um, it's like a protective instinct that I have, which if I know someone in the room and it wasn't like, in my opinion, perfect, I'm like, yeah. oh God, that was, that wasn't that good actually. So that they're not like, oh, you think that was good. And I think that was bad. I'm like, yeah, that was rubbish. When it's actually, if they then don't go, no, it was perfect. Then I start to spiral. <laughs> Listen, you shouldn't ever have people you know in the audience, right? That's a pretty good rule for stand-up. Yeah, I guess you can't really turn them away, though. I try. (laughs) I mean, I've made it a pretty hard and fast rule with people I know. Yeah. But sometimes they sneak in and you think, you know, I've told this, well, who knows if I've told this. My mum, who I've said is never allowed to see my stand-up, once tried to sneak in wearing a wig. And I know her. I know what she looked, you know, I know her face quite well. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and I it's half saw of your her face. I walk down the steps. And it's not like I'm playing the O2. 
it's a fucking gig. And she walked down the stairs and saw me. We locked eyes and she immediately went, oop, and turned back up the steps. And I called her and said, did you just try and sneak in in a wig? <laughs> I know your face. Yeah. Did she, So she's never seen you? Never seen me, unless she's got a better wig and I haven't. Yeah, she's got, she's full prosthetics. She's in every <laughs> Unless gig. she's got a wig that like covers like a big fringe, goes all the way over her face. But yeah. even that, I think I'd be like, cousin it is in, something's going on. Yeah, it's just too much, I think. Like I had parents come to, they came to both of, both sets, because my parents are divorced, both sets of like my dad and right. my mum, my stepdad came to this year's Edinburgh. And it was, I thought it would be really okay because... I don't know. In my head, I was just like, that's not nerve wracking. But then in the actual show, I was just so like one half of my brain was always thinking, oh, God, my dad's having to hear me talk about this thing, this thing, this thing. And it just actually was I was like, why have I done this to myself? This was a situation I chose. And all your stuff is very uh, honest and some stuff. Yeah. And about them. (laughs) And about that, yeah. I mean, could you do that stuff? Look it in their eyes. Oh God! I did. I did kind of prepare them before. I was like, just so you know. But also, I think the fact that it is honest kind of worked in my favour because I was like, it's all true. So you right. shouldn't get annoyed about it because it's just me telling facts, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at them from the stage. Sue me, sue me for libel. It's all true. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Christ. Well, well done. Uh, did Thank you go you. out every night and get absolutely mashed up? No, no, no. I was being so sensible. I think I found it like quite anxiety inducing being like there are people who've paid money to see me do a show every day. So I was like, I need to make sure I'm doing the, sh- the best show I can every day mm. um, because people have paid so much money to be up here because it's so expensive. Yeah. And I paid so much money. I was like, no pint is worth the ridiculous amount of money I've spent on on being in this city for a month so I was like I was like an athlete you know I was I was playing football like I was going to the gym I was doing comedy I was I was like a monk that's not what monks do but I felt like a monk (laughs) yeah footballing monks like Shaolin soccer (laughs) what um who were you living with I was living with a few other comics who we were in this like uni block and it was like all flats of comedians in this uni block which was obviously hell (laughs) because you're like I just want to walk to and from my show and like have a little cry if I need to without having to be like oh yeah how's your run going like wiping the tears (laughs) from my eyes yeah and and the beds were awful and the showers were like all overflowing well done congratulations thank you Uh, will you do it again next year yeah (laughs) despite everything i just said yeah i'll be back (laughs) i won't remember i'll be like i'll be like a goldfish back in there being like why is this so bad again (laughs) (laughs) this is horrid and you're speaking of horrid i forgot to tell you something oh boy um you've well i should have told you this up front actually despite all the ah fuck it you've, you've died you're dead really yeah, really. Oh, God, fuck's sake. Yeah. That's classic me. That's classic <laughs> That's me. Classic, yeah. That's textbook, Anya. I'm honestly not yeah. even surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I've done it. How did you die? That is classic. How did yeah. I that die? Is you it's classic. Like that, yeah. Do you know, it's, that is the most me thing that anyone's ever That's said to me. That's a bit of you, that. <laughs> dead. That's, she's dead. Yeah. What else is new? How did I die? Do you know what I think happened? Go on. There was like a huge fight outside my house. A really like 
sort of brutal fist fight which I was involved in and I wasn't I wasn't the cause of it I just went in to save like a young um woman <laughs> right who's yeah. being so attacked uh, by, by a stranger this is so dark there's yeah. a young woman being attacked by a stranger or by a boyfriend or a but not no just by or a friend just a friend they were fighting and i went in and i saved the day i split up the fight then right i Two went young women fighting scrapping around <laughs> do you know why they were fighting did you ever hear the beginning of it? I think, They're friends. Yeah, they were fighting to do... It was something to do with... Um, I don't actually know if I knew why they were fighting. It was just like a classic... It was a classic girly scrap. Yeah, really brutal, as you said. Yeah, like a classic girly... But classic, classic girly brutal a, scrap. A classic girly brutal scrap are the four yeah. words that I've ended up saying. <laughs> yeah, classic girly brutal scrap. Uh, one of them has been absolutely pummeled by the other... You come outside. Hey, hey, hey. Calm down. I'm saying calm down. But I have to throw a few punches just to set. And I don't favour one. uh, Both of them. Both of them. Both of them get it. (laughs) Both of them get it. And then, you know, that actually unites them. This is why you make a great teacher. This is good. (laughs) That unites them because they're like, what the fuck are you doing? We're friends again. Right. Okay. So it did solve it in a way. Yeah. And then I go home and then I get electrocuted by my phone charger. (laughs) (laughs) what a night yeah horrible night night. classic night (laughs) (laughs) that is classic night so you you sort of resolved this fight got hit a few times came in touched the phone charger yeah this is i think genuinely could be in my future i've got this like Mm. sort of janky phone charger that like quite often in the morning when i reach over to like plug in like whatever charger I need into like the extension cable by my bed uh I get a full electric shock up my arm <laughs> and I was like I think this is how I'm gonna die but I also think I would have to be doing something victorious or like uh impressive first and I'd get through that and then I'd come home and it would just be like every day like usual I don't turn the switch off at the mains I'm like I'll risk it today I plug it in I get in a bolt up my arm but one day it will just go to the heart is this too dark <laughs> Not at all. Listen, um, this is less dark than the w- woman being brutally assaulted outside your door the night you died. Yeah, we. I was like, let's pivot away from this because this was not. <laughs> this is not what I meant to uh, say. <laughs> Do you worry about death? Yeah, I hate yeah. it. I hate it so much. Yeah, and I think it comes and goes through phases in my life where I suddenly get really, really scared about it, and like, I don't know. It's hard to know what the like right thing to do or in my head what the right thing to do is because sometimes I think with like certain difficult emotions it's like I need to feel this emotion I need to make myself sit in it like sometimes with like anxiety or like jealousy or like those sorts of emotions but when it's like death anxiety I'm like what's the point in feeling this I just need to do something else like it's not gonna make me live forever yeah 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 so I do get scared about it does that thought help you going, well, what's the point of this? It helps in the sense that I move out of it and start worrying about something else. Right. Is is the fear an empty nothingness or is it, I've got so much to do or is it uh, scared of not being here? What What's the fear? I think it's kind of like the incomprehensibility aspect. Mm. Just like I have no tools to understand this. It's like bigger than what my brain can comprehend. And there's not much that fits in that category. Um, (laughs) But I think it's like, it's also the fact that like, at this point in my life, at the point of recording, like all the kind of grief I've experienced has been like 
been seen coming it's nothing has been a real surprise or a shock so like i think there's also an element of like scared of other people's death and like surprise death Mm. that sort of thing plus my own like i don't there's no death my cat's death like there's so much death that i'm like oh that's gonna be a nightmare when that happens yeah when you put it like that yeah but that's why i i say don't my advice if if you're looking is Mm. don't love don't don't get close to anyone or anything Okay. To avoid, to avoid that sort of uh, pain. What if on the I've back end. done that? Ah, okay. Well, I, I would say, yeah, keep running into brawls headfirst <laughs> and, and hope that you get taken out before yeah, yeah, any yeah. of the, the people or things you love die. Okay. Then cool. you won't have to, again, you won't have to worry about the pain of losing them. Yeah, that's, okay. that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Do you think there's uh, an afterlife? What do you think happens? Oh, I, I don't. No, I think I definitely... So I was so scared of death as a child. Like, Mm. it used to stop me sleeping at night. I used to be, like, awake in my bed, just like I couldn't sleep. My mum would come in. And my mum's a doctor, and she would tell me these stories of, like, oh, they've done like studies or like they've had patients where they've died for, like, 10 minutes and then they've been brought back to life and these patients have said that they, like, felt alive or like they could see the world they were like rising up about them she used to tell me these stories I think to calm me down and I think I did find them comforting because I was like well that's sorted then (laughs) yeah that's great it's it's medicine it's medicine and she's a doctor so she wouldn't lie to me and I don't know if I've like consciously thought about it that much in like the rest of my life since then that was probably the time where I was most like I need this evidence of an afterlife, but I wouldn't describe myself as like religious or, or anything, but I guess it's one of those things. And I, I, I know a lot of people have said this sort of answer, but like, what, what have you got to lose in believing in one? But also there's always a part of me that's like, but why would I believe in it if I don't actually believe it? Well, it's the same as like people saying, you know, have a positive attitude and because better to enjoy the bit before the disappointment rather than go, this is going to be disappointing and then also be disappointed. Mm. I suppose it's like that. Mm. So you could go, well, there's, there's, it'll be great. And then it will be. Also, listen, let me tell you something, Hanya. It's all right. There is a heaven. Yeah. Your mum was right all along. Of course she was right. That's science. That's science, That's baby. Science. science wins again. If a doctor says it, it's true. And also, everyone's having the same hallucination when they nearly die. Come on. These are hard facts. <laughs> this is science. Uh, there is a heaven. You're welcome there. Everyone's very excited to see you. A lot of fans of your Edinburgh show. By the way, tell the people at home who, who maybe haven't seen your show mm. what it was called. It's one of the great titles. Oh, thank you. It was called uh, Absolutely No Worries If Not. It's such a good title. It tells you everything you need to know about it. Yeah, it's it really, really does. It really sums it up. It's a really, up. really good title. Thank you. Uh, great title. There is a heaven. It's full yes. of your favourite thing. Sick. What's your favourite thing? My cat. Okay. There's a lot of your cat. Your cat's been cloned <laughs> to millions and millions of cats. The sofas are made of cats. You walk on cats. They're fine with it, by the way. Yeah. They're, all around you, there's cat suits. Alive. Yeah. Still moving. Creepy. I like it. Yeah. And uh, cats serving cats on cat trays. <laughs> anyway, the cats, cats are very excited to see you. They love it. They're, God, they're excited to see you. They want to talk about your life, but through films. And the first thing they want to know is... What's the first film you remember seeing? Oh my God. I've accidentally done like the perfect transition. The first film (gasps) I remember seeing was Cats. 
No. Yeah. And Hang on. Not the what new one. Mean? Not the new one. What <laughs> film, Cats? I had, we had a videotape of the musical. Oh, like the filmed... The filmed stage version. Show. Yeah. Wow. And cats, cats were my favourite animal since I was like, whatever, one... One of the earliest ages, they were yeah. my favourite animal. And um, we had this musical taping of it and I watched it every night before I went to sleep wow. when I was like two to four, I would say. I loved it so much. I used to draw all the cats. I wanted to do ballet classes because the cat in it, yeah. one of the cats in it does like a ballet solo. And I was like, well, that would be my job. Like I was obsessed with it. Have you seen the new cats? Yes. And how do you feel about it, knowing how obsessed you are with cats? Absolutely, like, horrible. Right. Me and my mum went to see it because she was like, oh, I want to see it because Uh. it was such a big part of your childhood. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like, it it doesn't look like it's going to be great. There's all this controversy about their buttholes, that sort of thing. And she was like, no, let's go. And we went (laughs) and we watched it. And I thought it was pretty bad especially as a cat's purist myself yeah. uh yeah. and then she just came out and she was just like i loved it i loved it so much <laughs> <laughs> oh great but i think she loved the like nostalgia of it as well yeah. whereas i was just like they're ruining magical mr mistopheles here guys this is awful right. uh because he has a butthole because he doesn't have a butthole <laughs> i wanted more buttholes Right, right. In the original, it was all butthole, all the time. All buttholes. I was um, a two-year-old girl lapping up those buttholes. <laughs> what? Have you got brothers and sisters? No. Loved it. Well, I've got step brothers, but they're like later, they've come on later on in my life. So I grew up, I have the personality right. of like an only child. With none of the excuse now. Oh, yeah. How annoying. <laughs> uh, I really like that. That's That's very nice. What is the film that made you cry the most are you a crier i am a crier i cried like 20 minutes before this call because i watched a video of a young child getting a dog as a present Mm. animals made me cry but the film that made me cry the most i think was the truman show really yeah i went round to my friend's house like when it was when i was in primary school like one of my best friends i just went round to her house like after school i showed up mm. like a bit later and they were all her family were watching the truman show and so i started a bit later later in maybe like half an hour in and yeah it's still like emotionally affected me so much i like found it the scene where he's like realizes that it's all fake like I just was like bawling my eyes out and it was so embarrassing so I was at my friend's house and her like hot older brother was there and I was like there's nothing hotter than like a friend's older brother and there's like nothing worse than crying (laughs) so it's like the worst combination of events and I I don't know what about it made me so sad but it just like unlocked something and I was bawling Uh, that answer has never come up in this category before although Mm. it's a very good film and everyone loves it is it because you worried that what you had grown up with wasn't real when your mum and dad got divorced? Maybe. I think it was like a sense... I feel what I get really emotionally affected by is like seeing yeah. vulnerability in other yeah. people. Um, and like that moment is like really vulnerable. Or maybe it's something to do with like the meaningless of it. It's like, oh, your whole life was like so much so different to what you thought it was. And that's really sad. And Mm. I also think like, I think I have a soft spot for like any male actor of that kind of dad playing age. 
I was always like, whenever they would go through something hard, I would find it really upsetting. And that is probably to do with like parents' divorce stuff. Um, But like any Steve Carell film where he got sad, I would be like crying so much. Just like all of those. I don't like Steve Carell, but it's sad. Yeah, it feels, it feels, it feels so like I want to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, firstly, thank you for taking the, uh, what I said about your parents' divorce straight and without going... (laughs) What? Uh, no, I'm also... si- I do therapy, so I'm very used to someone oh, okay, being okay. like, and it's that about the divorce? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I was being a bit cheeky, but I thought, oh, went with it. Okay, great. <laughs> what, uh, was your dad vulnerable? Did he cry in front of you? No, yeah, oh, no, I don't know. I think a lot of it was just like my emotions about it. I don't think, like he was still around and stuff. Like it wasn't it wasn't particularly complicated. I think it was probably just like, as a child, there was like when I was four. So it's just like, you don't know how to deal with that. So like, if you just lock it down or like learn to be independent about it, then whenever you see a film that like slightly pushes one of those buttons, it's like, well, it's all coming out now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What What a great answer. What about being scared? What's the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? Oh, okay. So I have two answers for this if you don't mind because okay. they're quite we different hit, types we'll of fear and then we'll pick one okay cool so actual fear that changed my life was james bond you only live twice there's a scene okay. in it when james bond has just had sexual relations with a woman and they're lying in bed together and they're asleep and um like a spy or like an assassin comes in and crawls over the rooftop beams and drips along like a string down and starts dripping poison so that it will go down the string into his mouth. And he's lying like sleeping with his mouth open. And then at the last moment, like he stretches or something and they, they move so that Bond girl's underneath the string and it goes into her mouth and she chokes, to, she's like wakes up spluttering oh, no. and chokes to death. And... I got so scared that that would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That as I watched that when I was like maybe like eight or ten, and I slept with the duvet covers above my mouth every night, right. um, which is absolutely bizarre because I didn't have beebs in my house, <laughs> and also and I didn't you, have any one joint sus- Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't. I was like eight, so. I wasn't like top of the priority yeah. list for like assassinations, but it we really freaked me out. For sure. Yeah, we can't true. know that for sure. What uh, what was the other one? The other one was Boyhood. Okay. Yeah, because, because, because of, of the, the passage of time. Of time. When I watched yeah. it, I watched it in the cinema and it sent me into like a four week long depression because I was like, oh God, this is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm doing a really uh, no, bleak I episode. Love, no, this is, this is the shit. This okay. is all the stuff I want to hear. Okay. So it was the passage of time. That makes sense. I think I watched it when I was like 16 as well, which I think is just mm. like the age where you're watching it and you're kind of realising a lot of this has already happened. I'm getting older. <laughs> like yeah. what's left for me? I'm 16 having a full crisis about <laughs> ageing. That's early. That's early to have that. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just early. unlocked something in me, and I I saw it with like my boyfriend at the time, and I remember he loved it, and I was just like sitting in in on the bus on the way back, just like having a full out of body experience, just like this is it, this is this is the end. It's going to be the end of the relationship. It's going to be the end of my life. <laughs> oh, man, wow. 
Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Yeah. What is the film that you love? People don't like it. It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it. You don't give a shit what anyone says. Johnny English. Great answer. <laughs> in my head as well, I thought of this as like an answer. And then I was like, oh, maybe it is critically acclaimed. And then I looked it up and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. I watched it recently. I had to watch it for this podcast. And it's good. I mean, it is. It, it is. Technically competent comedy. <laughs> it is good. I don't know if it would stand... I haven't watched it for a long time. If you like Johnny English, it's really good. Johnny yeah, English. it's classic Johnny English content. Mm, total Johnny English. I think I remember, like, also as one of the films that I watched with my parents and they were finding really funny, like, either my mum or my dad, I can't remember. But, right. like, I think when you're watching a film and you're young and, like, everyone's laughing, it's like, oh, this is the funniest thing in the world because we're all finding it funny. Um, yeah I also think the theme tune to it is so good I think I've got it saved on my Spotify can you sing it to me (laughs) he's a man for all seasons loves them and leaves them alone so alone bow bow (laughs) he's totally Johnny English Uh, what's the film you used to love but you have watched recently and you've thought this is no longer for me the prestige interesting So I remember watching it the first time and being like, oh my God, what a twist. This is crazy. This is incredible storytelling. I had no idea this was coming. Also, okay, I have to do a quick like detour to explain something about my whole relationship with films, I think, which is that I don't know if I definitely have this for sure, but my dad has it, I think. He has this like face blindness thing where you really struggle to detect faces. And I think I have it to some extent because I'm really bad at recognising people. And for ages in my life, I hated watching films because I would forget what every character looked like loads. And so I just, I wouldn't wouldn't recognise characters returning and I'd be like, there are like non-stop people in this film. (laughs) Like it was really confusing to watch. Just new characters every scene. Yeah. Who's this? this? (laughs) Another one. Um, I think that was maybe also like something that passed when I was young. It was worse when I was younger and now I've just like grown out of it or whatever. I don't really know how it works. and I haven't looked into it enough, but I did think like, I just remember being really confused in all films and not, I'm really bad at recognizing famous actors in 
a film like I won't know who it is so I thought The Prestige was like an indie film I didn't realize it had loads of famous actors in it um (laughs) um so when I watched it again I was like I think I was talking to my flatmate about it who's my flatmate is like the biggest film he's a film writer he's writing a film at the moment that's like being made he loves films so much any good film I've seen in my life is like because of him he his name's Harry he's like should get all the credit for any good response that I give but we were talking about it and I think we watched it again and um I was just like they just use a bit of actual magic the whole premise yeah. is like, oh, this trick, it's magic. And then it's like, oh, but also he does clone someone or something yeah. like that. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> I hear you. It occurs to me whenever I watch that film, I do really love that film, but I am a bit like, so there was like an extra bit. The extra bit is, yeah. It feels like it changes the yeah. rules of what yeah. the film is during it. I the same you. as the Now You See Me films. I love like a magic film, but... I find it funny when it's like, they're like, oh yeah, but also there will be some unbelievable magic in this. Yeah. But there will also be a card trick. Yeah. I wonder if, like, I wonder if it does exist on like a scale. I have a friend who um, has face blindness and they recognise people like via their like identifiable hairstyles, um, which I guess is like a way around it. But it's probably not something that has had like a lot of research into because it does just sound like you're being an asshole. Yeah. Of being like, I've got a disease. Well, I think I've got name blindness. Okay. I think I've got name blindness because I can't, I don't remember anyone's name. And yeah. people think I'm very rude, but I'm like, I think it's a thing. Like, it's I, know be a disease. I know their faces. <laughs> I know their face. I know who they are. I'm happy to talk to them, but I don't know their fucking name. Yeah. Give me a break. I'm diseased. Yeah. Give me I'm a condition blindness. for God's sake. Come on, diagnose it. It's name blindness. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, Lily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll get my mum to diagnose you. She'll do anything. Yeah, please. She's good at that stuff. What is the film that means the most to you? Not because the film itself is necessarily good, but because the experience you had seeing it always makes it a special one for you and your Magliano. This isn't a film that I've like rewatched, but the f- significance of the first viewing of it was really big. Um, High School Musical 2. Right. I will explain. Please. When this came out when I was in primary school, I think. And the first one came out when I was in primary school as well. But we didn't have Disney Channel. Like me and my mum didn't have like uh, any of the extra TV channels. We just had like one, two, three, four, five, the classics. And so I couldn't watch High School Musical and like everyone else at school watched it and everyone was like obsessed with it. It was all everyone was talking about in the playground. Like everyone had high school musical like lunch boxes like everyone was like casting themselves as characters and I was just like I have no idea what everyone's talking about um so then my dad kept trying to like torrent it for me (laughs) and he'd like I'd get like cds in the post of like a cd that then like wouldn't play on our tv and it was just like impossible I just I was not able to watch it and then somehow I still don't know how he did this I haven't actually asked him properly he managed to secure tickets to the high school musical 2 premiere what yeah so I got to see the second one in the cinema at the like actual premiere where they like turned the o2 into like the holiday camp that they go to during it. And I was like, now I've seen it before everyone else. So that's balances out. Did you go with your dad? You and your dad? Yeah. And he took, we took our cousins as well. And it was just like the best, best day of my life. (laughs) That's very, very cute. I like that a lot. Mm. (sighs) Yeah. It was really, really nice, actually. I'm like, God, 
I, I didn't remember that story until I was thinking about the answers to the questions. And now I'm like, yeah. I should say thank you for that. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, your dad sounds all right, you know. Um, say hello from me. I will. And I'll pass Harry. <laughs> And your mum. Give her, give her a break. Uh, she's diagnosed both of us. What is the film you most relate to? This is like a hard one, I think. Sure. I definitely remember watching a film that I thought I was going to relate to because I didn't know what it was about. I got really into boxing and I was going to do like a boxing camp and I watched Million Dollar Baby on the plane on the way there because <laughs> <laughs> no one told no, me what it was. No one told you where it goes, yeah. That's me? That's, oh God, I hope that's not me. <laughs> and I just got off the plane like, oh fuck, I've got to do a month of this now. Um, really? Where was it? Thailand. I went to do boxing in Thailand, yeah. What? Yeah. What? For a month. How was it? It was really cool. I loved it. Yeah. It was a mad experience. It's like two hours minimum of boxing a day, but you can do four plus like other Jeez. stuff. But it's just like in a tiny camp in the middle of like a town four hours away from Bangkok with like no one else there other than the people doing the camp like everyone else is local about like 40 i think or it did change because you could do it for different lengths of time so like i was there for a month but some people just came for like two what? weeks and stuff yeah when was this mm, january 2020 yeah. Did you make friends for life? Yeah, I'm still in a few group chats. So because everyone was from all over the... Like, it was such a mixed group of people. Yeah. All people who were, like, running from something in their lives, obviously, because they all had yeah. to go. Um, or Like, you don't do something like that without being trying to solve some sort of crisis. Yeah. Um, did it solve yours? Yeah, it did, actually. Like, I... It's funny, because I have ended up mentioning the camp on podcasts and stuff but like the story is too bleak of like why I went there but it was just like a really bad end of the year where I had to quit my job I was just having a really rough time and then I was like I want to do boxing and I want to go somewhere hot and then I was like Thai boxing that feels like a thing and I just googled it and then just like booked a camp and went (laughs) had you done any boxing before that I'd done like box fit I think the sort of like fitness boxing classes and I was like uh, I like the feeling of hitting things. <laughs> was it same um, standard? You and everyone was it? No, like there was, it was quite a mix, but I they were all Thai, the boxers, obviously, and they, they didn't really speak English. It was all quite limited, like the way you were being trained. Um, but what was quite funny was that, like, I think some of this is on me. I should have known this, but I started following the instructions and they were all teaching like standard, like right-handed boxing, but I'm left-handed. So I did three weeks of right-handed boxing. And then in the fourth week in one session, I like just did the other punch by accident. And the guy was like, hang on a second. And he like made me switch. And then like, suddenly I could hit really, really hard. And he was Uh, like, obviously he wasn't speaking English, but I could tell he was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, why have you done three (laughs) weeks backwards? (laughs) Oh, wow. Are you good now? Yeah, I'm still doing it. I'm not like, I obviously stopped during the pandemic um, and Mm. I just couldn't find the time with gigging and stuff because the the place near where I lived did classes only in the evenings and I was going out in the evenings to do comedy. Um, So, but I want to get back into it now because... I want to fight people. <laughs> right. So were you going out into that brawl in the street before you died was pretty average for you. You were like... Subconscious. Yeah, great. You, no. Anytime you hear a raised voice, you're rushing in. Two fists, I'm ready. I'm right ready. No, I don't, you think that's I don't hard. Think... Wait till you see my left. 
I don't think I could do it in real life. That's a sad thing is that like, I think it's something where I will always want in my head to be like, that's an option for me. I could do really well in a street fight, but I'll never have to try it. And then it would anytime, like if I've ever had like a guy like wolf whistle or be creepy in the street or whatever, not that I would instantly go fight that, but I've, I'm always Mm. just like, I'm going to run away now. And in my head, I'll be like, oh, you should have said something. Like I'm not actually confrontational at all. Like if, I have to tell my friend anything about like they've done wrong or whatever. I'll send it in like a WhatsApp with like four apologies. I'm very absolutely no worries if not. Like that doesn't <laughs> match with like fighting someone in the street. Do you want to fight? Uh, absolutely no worries if not. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell, I think. <laughs> tell me what is the sexiest film of all time? I think sexiest film gotta be Blue is the Warmest Colour. Yeah. It absolutely can be that, yeah. I don't really remember any of the film other than the sex in it. And I also don't think I'd seen any like queer sex on screen at that point. And I also don't think I'd fully come out as bi. So I think it was like the combination of those factors meant that I was just like, what the fuck? This is interesting stuff. (laughs) But like completely zoned out for the rest of the film. And then the sex, I'm like, zoom. (laughs) Back to it. It's a lot of sex, long sex. It's a good film. The rest of it's really good. Yeah, I should check it. I should check out the rest of it. <laughs> you should watch the rest of it. I mean, yeah. I, listen, we. I don't know if you know this. It's problematic. Is it? The act, only because the actors have said they were not comfortable making those <gasps> sex scenes. And so no. It's sad. it's sad because they're excellent. You know, I get it. I really? Get it. I get what that's you're saying. That's so... Yeah, that's retrospectively you hate, awful. You, you hate to read that stuff. You hate to read it because you go, oh, well, that was... Uh, Oh, that completely invalidates my answer. No, I don't. I want. I don't want it to. I don't want to find it sexy at all. I'll go. I'll pick. I'll pick Johnny English again for the yeah. No, that is sexy. I don't want to take away your. I mean, no, that's good to know that. I think like that is a shame, and it's also a shame, and maybe it just says something about like I hadn't just seen that many non-male gazy female sex scenes as in like two well, women this is the thing it's a male director oh. it's all co- I, I, I don't know you'd have to do more more reading on it but it is a shame when you read stuff like that because i do think that film is great it's really mm. great and there's so much good in it but it's a shame that's anyway, so fucked yeah <laughs> that could now go in your troubling bone and worrying why don't you? yeah there you go no my troubling bone uh I've got full different answers, I think, for that. Go on. What's your troubling by the worrying wide on a film you found arousing that maybe you shouldn't? Well, it's not the film, but it's characters. Okay. Kovu in The Lion King 2 is really sexy. And yes, Kovu, he's like the son of Scar and he's got like bad boy lion quiff. So it's like bad because I think it's like he's an animal and I think he's also probably like teenager that's okay i mean as long as he's you know over 16 we'll make him 16 that's fine. troubling also the sexy um angelina jolie character in shark tale that fish yeah i mean <laughs> i get it it's angelina jolie the, it's hard not to i get it absolutely fine Both it's funny when they make fine. the animals sexy yeah because someone's job is like designing that isn't it it's like putting the boobs onto the fish <laughs> what a job yeah what a job. I often think about that. Like with Jessica Rabbit, when people go, oh, it's just a cartoon, they go, but it's obviously very sexy. It's a sexy cartoon, but someone drew her mm. probably on their own in the office <laughs> late at night. <laughs> it's all very odd, isn't it? 
someone's uh, adding bulges to these two yeah. D things. Like it's a conscious. It's not like an accident, is it? But I think it also says how basic we are in that, like. It is literally a picture of a round thing. <laughs> and we go, poor. That is lovely. <laughs> that, that fucking circle is lovely. Look at that fucking perfectly drawn circle. <laughs> God, we're so not complex. No, I'm certainly not. Yeah, no, put a, I don't think Put I a I circle am. in front of me, I'm anyway. <laughs> 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 uh, what is the, objectively, the greatest film of all time? I I couldn't back myself on an argument about films ever. Like I'm not, I don't think I have like particularly good taste in film, but I think, I think I'll say Dead Poets Society. That's a, that's a great answer. You can have it. No one said that in this category. Really? You can have that. I think it, I, I think I'm judging it on like the emotional intensity. It made me feel like the characters, like I just remember just absolutely loving it. Do you know who directed that? No. Is it some paedophile or something? No. I'm second guessing all my answers now. No, it's a brilliant filmmaker called Peter Weir. You know what else Peter Weir directed? The Truman Show. What? Yeah. Look at you, Peter Peter Weir Stan. I'm in The Truman Show. I must be. Yeah. Wow. That's why you were so shook by it. God, he gets to my... Whatever his emotional language is, is mine as well. He knows how to turn my buttons. That's not the word. great. (laughs) He knows He's how to great. push my buttons. I want you to watch a film called Fearless that he made that not many people seen. Okay. That I think is Fearless. I think it, it might it might sort you out. A great answer. What is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? The film I've watched most over and over again for a period of my life. I haven't watched it recently. Is the um, Hugh Grant rom com music and lyrics with Drew Barrymore? Yes. Lovely. Which I was like, when I first got like a laptop and was allowed to download one film from iTunes, that was, I think, the one I downloaded just by chance. And so it was the film I just ended up like watching loads, but I also loved it. And I loved the songs in it. I actually think I did rewatch it. I rewatched it when I had to do like a, I had to do like a weekend of gigs away last year. It was like December. It was in Hereford. I died on my ass at both the gigs. And I was like, I need to watch music and lyrics. Like something in my body just took over and was like, this is the only thing that will help right now. (laughs) And it was quite good. It's like a classic silly, silly rom-com film where you're like, this is ridiculous. I love it. He's great. He's great. She's great. I've been watching About a Boy for the first time over the past Ah, few nights. Great. Yeah, it's good stuff. I haven't seen any films. I'm not a very good person to come on a film podcast. Like I, I... Listen... If you're only watching Peter Weir films, you're fine. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. We don't like to be negative. Do it quick. (laughs) Oh, please. What's the worst film you've ever seen, Anya Magliano? Where the Cruel Dads Sing. Wow. Very new. Very recent. Yeah. I was so angry when I watched it because I loved the book. So I think it's like, I don't think it's like an objective judgment on the film. I think it's like how high my hopes were versus what direction the film went in. And I was just really sad because I was like, this feels like... It could have been done so differently in a way that was that made me feel like I felt when I was reading the book, but instead it just feels like it's not the same. Question. What is the perfect film of a book you like what do you want when you yeah. love a book so much and then they make a film i would almost sometimes i'm only thinking this now for the first time ever i'm thinking why would you see the film like what what in your head is the perfect version of is it exactly what you imagined 
when you were reading it? Or is it a new way of looking at the book that surprises you and makes you see it in a different way? Like, what's the ideal version of that book? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I don't know what it is. I think it might be like, I think you probably, you'd be better to say the second one because it's so unrealistic that someone would make one that's exactly what's in your head. I guess you maybe want want them to make some like cool creative decisions which use the film medium to add something Mm. rather than uh just try and make it as true like not as true to the books that is what I was criticizing what the crawl dad sing for but like I don't know I think I like it when book I think the way a book makes you feel is so different from the way a film makes you feel just because of the way you're engaging with it that like you've got to use whatever film has to your advantage put a CGI dragon in that sort of thing (laughs) You know, one of my favourite books and films is The Virgin Suicides. Mm. And when you read, I I saw the film before I read the book. And when I read the book, I was like, like the film really feels like the book. The book feels like the film, the film feels like the book. That's a great example. And when you think about it, there's music in the film that is obviously not in the book. And that makes that, I think that's the sort of one of the creative ways she makes the feeling of these descriptions of love and obsession and feeling is through music. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's something about that, isn't it? Like, did you say you read the book after you watched the film? Yeah. I watched the film first, I think. That's quite a nice way around, I guess, because you are like adding depth potentially rather than like losing it. I think sometimes (laughs) it feels like you're losing it when you watch a bad film of a book. Well, we're all having a think, aren't we? What is, (laughs) you're in comedy, you're a comedian, you're a critically acclaimed one now. What is the film that made you laugh the most other than Johnny English <laughs> I think it might have been watching Anchorman in the cinema with all my friends when I was like at a stage in life where going to the cinema was like what we did every week and we just saw all the com- we saw like Bridesmaids that's another close call for that seeing these group strong character cast <laughs> films we'd just be losing our minds like quoting it to each other for the rest of the year I think it might I think it probably was Anchorman but I don't touch any of these films again like I I let them like exist as that memory I don't revisit them that may be wise so I don't know if I'd still find that the funniest film yeah it's a risk isn't it always a risk yeah sometimes you watch things and you love them more yeah sometimes you don't sometimes (sighs) you have to let them go yeah, I don't know. I, I think like I don't really laugh out loud that much when I watch stuff. So unless I've seen it in a cinema with friends, like it's unlikely yeah. that I've had a physical response to it. So in my <laughs> head, it doesn't get categorised as like funny. Yeah. Do you laugh out loud when you watch films? No, but in? it's surprising when I, I was watching Baskets, the TV show Baskets, and there was a scene where the mum <laughs> drank an entire bottle of, <laughs> bottle of something <laughs> until... Until she uh, just just suddenly in the middle of the scene downs an entire bottle of, I think, sparkling water until she basically burps. And it made me laugh so much. <laughs> I laughed for about five minutes. Right wow. And were you doing yeah, okay? Thank you by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm very basic. I think if someone burps or, or farts. That I'm, does it I'll for you. Yeah. I told you I, I need circles and burps. I'm very simple. Yeah, you're really back to basics sort of guy. I'm a real back to basics guy. Anya Magliano, you've been absolutely delightful and oh, fascinating thank you. and brilliant. However, when you took your lethal weapon uh, tie boxing <laughs> skills to the streets, when you heard two friends 
two friends having a, a lovely yet brutal scrap outside your door. And you went outside and you said, I'm a lethal weapon, I'm a lethal weapon, I'm a lethal weapon. Pow, pow. Right hand, right hand, right hand. And they went, your right hand's quite weak. And you went, shut up, pow, and hit with your left hand. And they ran off screaming into night and you said, my work here is done. Yet another couple of women I've randomly beaten up. <laughs> and then you went inside and you went to plug in your phone because you you were hoping you were filming it as well mm. for your TikTok. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you went to plug in your phone and it electrocuted you right into your heart. And you fell to the ground. And you set on fire. And then your house set on fire. And then it spread to the street. And your entire street was ablaze. <laughs> Hundreds of people died. It was actually a really dark. Nightmare. Anyway, I was walking past with a coffin, you know what I'm like, and I see this blaze. I go, bloody hell, isn't that where Annie Magdalena lives? Put out the fire using my own spit. <laughs> put, out, <laughs> put out the fire. And uh, I find your... Your burnt carcass. There it is. Still holding desperately. Your TikTok's still running. It was a live feed. Your views have gone through the roof. You'd be delighted. Thank God. And um, anyway, I chop you up into bits, put you in the coffin. There's more of you than I was expecting <laughs> because of all the furniture and stuff that's burned into you. Mm. And uh, there's no room in this coffin. There really isn't. It's full. There's only enough room for me to slide one DVD into the side for you to take across to the heaven filled with your cat cloned a million times. What film would you like to show... The Cats of Heaven, when you, it is your movie night, and you Magliano, go. School of Rock. Yes, please, thank you, you're welcome. Best film of all time, for me. Correct, correct. I think I know all the words. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what a perfect answer. A perfect film. Perfect, there's nothing wrong with that film. So good, so good. Yeah. I can like see it in my head. You no, know directed that? Who? Not Peter Weir. No, but the guy who directed Boyhood did. What? Yeah. It's just all the same guys. <laughs> you like two guys. And I like two guys. You like Richard Linklater and Peter Weir. They're both excellent filmmakers. Wow, maybe Talk I do have taste. range. Both <laughs> of them range. Dead by Zayat, Truman Show. Fucking Boyhood and School of Rock. The range. Yeah, God. I guess I, maybe I can talk about my favourite. Maybe I have favourite directors. Maybe that's something that I know about myself now. You love an auteur. I you're love an auteur. auteur. person. God, you're upset. It's classic. You're that's classic. You're about the auteurs. <laughs> you can't shut me up. When I get onto auteurs, <laughs> just you wait. Auteur Magliano, they should call you. Uh, and Magliano, is there anything people should look out for, watch, listen to of you? Oh yeah, I've got a show. I'm doing my show, the one from mm -hmm. the one from the title. Absolutely no worries if not. I'm doing it yeah. in the Leicester Square Theatre on Friday, 11th of November at 9:30 p.m. And that's like the last night I'm doing of the show. It's like one big, oh, wow. one big bang, one big bang. Okay. If anyone wants to come to that, if not, just like the classic social media, I am posting on there so much, um, <laughs> so much, but. Yeah, any of those. Okay. Say hello. Well, thank you very much for your time. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for having uh, me. I hope you have a wonderful death <laughs> and good night. Bye. So that was episode 221. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video and all the other stuff with Anya. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but don't talk about the show. Write about the film that means the most to you and why. Maureen reads them. She always cries. She loves it. So that's very nice if you do that. 
Thank you so much to Anya. Go see her show. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another hilarious guest. Fucking funny one. Anyway, that is it for now. In the meantime, I hope you're all well. Have a lovely week. And please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more. Online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.